This is a pre-recorded version of the WTKA Roundtable <laughs> on WTKA, unsurprisingly, 9 o'clock Thursdays. It is pre-recorded, however, so if you call in, no one will answer. We are back, folks, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Ira Weintraub on the other side, and the Roundtable crew is here. The MGO Blog Roundtable. We've been doing it uh, for years now. It just keeps getting better and always, always, always uh, a great opportunity to chat with these guys after a victory. Joining me as they do every single week, starting off first with Brian Cook. Brian, how are you this morning? Just like J.J. McCarthy, I am perfect. <laughs> I, I agree. It was a perfect showing. Devin Gardner and Al Borges. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have Seth Fisher with us. Seth, how are you? Just like Mason Graham, I am ready to go. <laughs> right? And then, of course, the venerable one. The guy who probably more than anyone else listening could really, really be taken back in time by the stories Mark Carroll was telling our good friend, Craig Ross. Craig, how are you? Just like Davis Warren, I'm perfect. <laughs> Davis Warren was good at this game, right? <laughs> he was really good at the game. But let's let's just start there, Brian. Um, with everyone Davis is, Warren? No, no, no. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's just start with the, with, the, with the perfect performance in that game. Sure. Uh, going back to, to J.J. McCarthy. It was, I think we all expected him to do well. Uh, but there's doing well, and then there's doing what he did in that game. Well, so I, I watched your discussion with uh, Borges and, and uh, Gardner about that slant that Bell dropped. And to me, I can see both sides of the argument. But the important part is that he thought he had the slant and what he did is immediately stared down the linebacker. And you can see him do the same thing on the shot to Edwards where he's just staring straight at the safety. Mm -hmm. he's, he's freezing that safety so he's got the, the room. And honestly, on the post to... Cornelius Johnson, I think he induces that safety to step up because he stares right at the safety. And then, I mean, I watched this like 20 times to make sure I wasn't crazy, but he flicks his eyes over to Bell and that's when he steps up and then bam, right over the top. So that more than anything else, like we knew he had a big arm. We knew he could run. We had an idea that he was pretty good at, at reading things because he's done a lot of his own read stuff. But in terms of scanning the field, understanding coverages and freezing safeties with your eyes. That's I think beyond expectations for any redshirt freshman. And that's the thing that I took away from this is like, not only does he have the physical abilities, but I don't know if I've seen many junior and senior quarterbacks do what he did against Hawaii. Now degree of difficulty, he didn't get a whole lot of pressure. All these caveats apply, but I was pretty excited after Saturday and after going over the film, I've been, I'm even more excited. Seth? Yeah. Yeah, uh, to just just to clarify something for the one reader that th this was opponent invariant stuff. So like, if you go back and look at like Joe Milton versus Minnesota, we were like, eh, you know, this was a good performance, but he was like making his first read, and the first read was there. And some of the things that McCarthy was doing was not. It was, it was like not necessarily his first, second, third read, but like he saw it happening, and 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 took things that were not things that like Cade was, <laughs> would have taken last year, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is, you talk about where Michigan's ceiling can go. Uh, that performance was opponent invariant. Now there, there are things that he was doing that are going to work against anybody because there's always going to be somebody who's got that kind of leverage. Um, and these receivers are probably going to get open against anybody if you give them that kind of time. It's just, the question is, the only the only concern I had was the, how the offensive line fell apart with Kate in there, but that is like you know if that's not a problem this year, this is not going to be a problem. 
Craig Ross? Yeah, the uh, I don't know what Al and Devin said on the one incomplete pass that he did have. Uh, I thought he put it in about the only place he could put it because uh, otherwise it was going to get uh, it was going to be in the stomach or hands of a linebacker. So he put it right about where he could. Now whether Bell should catch it or not, I don't know. It's not an easy catch, uh, but he was. From my eye, at least, about he did about as well as as could be done. Uh, in terms of Cade, it's mystifying to me that he comes in and there's three straight plays where there's pressure when there hadn't been that much pressure on uh, JJ. All of a sudden, you got three different guys blowing uh, blowing assignments on on passer. All I can think of is that they didn't like Ping uh, <laughs> and they wanted Callaway. But beyond that, I can't figure out you know, what was going on. And then in the first, I think, play in the second half or the first pass play, they have the second team line in. And I think it's Connor Jones at right guard just completely blows it. And the defensive tackle is on top of Cade, you know, immediately. So Harbaugh's upset. And the next time he comes in, he puts the first team, uh, first team offensive line in, and he has plenty of time to throw, and he, he he makes a poor throw. I'm not sure the receiver was open, but still, it's not a great throw, and uh, and, and it's an interception. So, I think at that point, this JJ slash Cade uh, competition was, uh, you know, resolved. Yeah, resolved. If if, if it hadn't been to that, I mean, Cade's point not going to be that quarterback. This year, right? Like Cade would have lost the competition to TJ Yellen in that game. Like that, <laughs> that, that was a, I, I don't know if whatever the pressure got to him or the situation, or maybe he can't play in night games. I don't know what it is, but that's not the Cade you're going to get. And you better hope it's not the Cade. That, that, that's the yeah. So, like, so a couple of, a couple of things. Number one, what they said about the, the slant, you know, it took a, it took us watching it over and over again to see that. Yeah. He, he drops back. He stares at the at the opening for the slant. Quick glance at the linebacker to freeze him. You see the linebacker freeze, and then he threw it like you said, Craig, in the only spot that he could throw it. And so Devin's Devin's take was, well, he shouldn't have gone there. But if you're gonna go there, that's how you do it. And you and he has the arm to take that risk. Al's point was, okay, I, I understand. He has the arm. But he never should have gone there. Like it, okay. and and you're looking down the middle of the field, not at the linebacker. And if you look down the middle of the field, not only do you hold the linebacker, you see the safety buzzing down, and it tells you it's one high, and that means you go to the sit side of the field. So it was it was the coach, and he admitted. He said, "Man, look, this is nitpicking, right? This is nitpicking a performance." And he at least it wasn't a frivolous risk. He didn't just he wasn't reckless. He knew there was a linebacker there. It's not like he didn't see him. He compensated for that by putting it on the on Ronnie's hip. He should have caught it. But at the end of the day, when I'm coaching him in the meeting room, I'm saying, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. It worked. You got away with it this time. There's going to be one time where you won't probably against a better opponent. But again, guys, that's like one mistake. Like one mistake in a game where this is his first outing, and to me, the pass that stuck out the most. It wasn't even the one where he steps up and delivers his fight, you know, in two minutes to CJ. It was his first touchdown pass. And Devin did a great job, I thought, of, of, of really highlighting how out of the ordinary it is to go, to go to the post on a dagger like that. He said he, they've run that play a million times in his career. He never threw the post. I, I recounted how that was the staple play of my high school team. It was a staple play on a squad that had division one guys across the board, including Andre Weathers. And there was a wheel, a, a wheel um, uh, dig combination uh, on, on one side and the, and the backside post on the other being run by a college football player. And the post was never thrown by Fred Jackson, Jr. A guy <laughs> whose dad was a college coach. He never threw the post. It is not. It is not something you do. If you are pre, if you are preordaining or presetting where you're gonna go with the football, the odds say you're throwing a dig or you're throwing something, or you're throwing something short. You hardly ever see a guy throw the post. So in his first outing, his first outing, he breaks the tendency correctly for that particular route, hits the post for a touchdown. To your point, Brian, this dude 
with seeing the field like you wouldn't necessarily expect a guy to see the field in his first time as a starter. Yeah, so the other post, too, is also looks like single high, right? And so you've got a dig that's open, and you could take the dig. <clears throat> that's that's going to be 20, 30 yards. But he's like, no, I want more. And I think he physically moves the safety with his eyes, and then he gets to the post that I don't think a whole lot of other quarterbacks get to. And then there's that triangle concept that they have on second and 10 where guy flies out to the flat triangle concept is going to be something that they run cover three and that's going to dissect cover three. And he just, he just puts on Ronnie bell. Like, like it's nothing it and guys open, but he knows where, what the concept is going to do to the likely coverage. And there's no hesitation. He just gets the ball and the ball gets out so fast that Ronnie bell is able to turn it up and run. So we got to see it against a team that's better than Hawaii, of course, but just based on these 12 throws, yeah, I think yeah. he's ready for it. You, you, know? they, up, you guys are ready up. Go ahead, Craig. I was just going to say the other point is, it, of course, is that the running game opens up uh, because now all of a sudden you have an extra blocker on the field. When you can actually run read options uh, and, and when Kate is in, he's just not a runner and he's not one who's going to make those reads. And so, and you get the game plan around that. Right, you exactly. Get the game plan around that. Exactly. Like we and, saw, we mm-hmm. saw. Sorry, I'm sorry, but I'm no, that's okay. Go ahead. Up, but we saw McCarthy take off and run when the tight end went in the flat against Colorado State. In this game, they come to him and he dumps it off to Eric All, and that's ten yards. It could have been twenty if Roman Wilson got a block. Mm-hmm. So once you have that guy as your starter and you know game in game out that that's going to be part of the game plan, you can do so many things. I, I caught a really weird uh, Max Bredesen block where he goes, it's an insert, and then he goes and goes and gets the middle linebacker. And I'm like, what is going on here? I have never seen anyone do this before. And I'm looking at it and look at it and look at it. I'm finally like, if this is a scrape exchange, this is a touchdown. Because if the other linebacker gets removed by JJ McCarthy, mm-hmm. he goes right to the safety and, you know, probably jukes the safety and he's gone. And that's going to be hell to play against because it's like, what are we doing to defeat this arc package? That's a real problem. One of the things people often do is scrape exchange. And if that's in the playbook to nuke a scrape exchange, I mean, guys, (laughs) what you're talking about is you're going to see it to your point, Craig split zone is as effective a play as it is for Michigan. It's about to be even better because the, the, now you can call bluffs regularly. To your point, Brian, and he hits a he hits Ronnie Bell. Ronnie was like, I didn't know if he was going to throw it on that split zone RPO. So you you're you got four plays off of one, right? That that you can run now, and it's gonna it's gonna put defenses in no man's land when they are just defending a basic split zone. Now that run play is going to become that much more effective. Ace got uh, into this too this week mm-hmm. on uh, on on his one frame of a time thing, where Michigan actually has some counters that they built into this as well. The uh, the Roman Wilson uh, end around, you actually Eric all like goes like he's gonna go and split, and then turns around, and they're like, because that you gotta me. fly out to that side, right? Like you're screwed if you don't get control of that backside. So he turns around, and their momentum is just going completely the other direction. And Roman Wilson like walks in for a touchdown. That uh, was if, if we're talking about that play, can we talk about Oluwatimi? <laughs> two, but he got two guys yeah. on that play. Yeah, so he's. <laughs> He takes a down block, and it's like, all right, so this is supposed to look like power. This guy's going to come at me. He just chucks that guy past, and then he has the agility to get out and seal out a linebacker, and I was like, mm. hey, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's." Something. And Ryan Hayes, and Ryan Hayes, so Ryan Hayes doesn't get a block. We actually detail this with in the film study with, with Borges because he, he talks about, A, how Olawatimi, the way he positions himself, for the block invites that guy across his face. And so he throws him. He throws it. He said it was, it was intense. He set it up so he'd be able to throw that guy. And then he got out on the edge to spring the play around the edge. But Ryan Hayes gets down the field. He doesn't block the final man, but he reroutes him. Yeah. Just, just with his presence and allows uh, Roman Wilson to get in the end zone. It, it just, I know it's Hawaii. I know it's Hawaii. <laughs> We got to qualify it, but man, you, you see all these guys. So I don't know if it's just if it's just JJ's presence, 
but it just felt like a lot of things started to click better last week. Maybe it's just week two. Maybe yeah. it's Hawaii. Maybe only part of it is JJ. Uh, but definitely, definitely a significant part to me, Craig. Yeah, well, you can't. I mean, teams are good when JJ's in, and now that I assume he's taking the major lead as, at quarterback, uh, you can't just crash the backside end on simple zone reads at the very mm-hmm. least. And and uh, what Brian is saying, Brian, I think a footnote is when you say bluff, I think Brian is saying arc zone. That's the same mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah, and so in any event, that's that. There's an, that's there's another playoff of that which I was complaining about all last year. Uh, coaches say that that that's called split flow, so that's I guess what we're calling it. But um, it's when the tight end goes out in the flat, and you saw them hit Eric All, and there's nobody out there, right? Because those guys are flying upfield. Um, the last year they ran that a whole bunch, especially against Rutgers, and it just, it, it wouldn't work. Everyone would cover the the tight end because there was no way. Cade was going to start running it down mm-hmm. the down the alley, so they they didn't have to worry about that. So they just came after uh, Cade like they're blitzing him, right? And then he'd be under pressure. He'd have to throw off his back foot, which slows down the pass. And then someone would be there to tackle the tight end right away. I think Eric All broke a couple tackles one time, and that's the only time that play was successful last year. And you can see very clearly how the defensive ends react differently when JJ is in there because this guy is going to run around you. I don't know what you just did. I just put you on solo layout so I can adjust my light. So I can adjust my light. You're you're on you're on candy. You're the, you're, you're the stars. I, now I, I feel like I'm up on stage now. Well, so all right, I'm, I'm yeah. getting a solo layout now. All right, I, mean, I I remember that really frustrating army game from way back where they were running the arc slash bluff and they wouldn't run split zone with it. And this felt both of these two games felt much more connected and coherent mm-hmm. in terms of what they're trying to do so not only when we have, we've got that end around we've got that the the flat tight end stuff we have some things that i think build off the expectation of split flow and and work that way and so i'm interested to see what they have because not only are they putting together a package like this but they're willing to show that reverse against hawaii mm-hmm. right like yeah, that's that, a good point. I mean, I think that there's going to be more and more stuff we see. And I think we're going to see that same reverse again this year. But I also feel like it feels like they might have been planning for JJ to be the starting quarterback because this package works with JJ in ways that it doesn't work with McNamara. And so they probably were seeing something happening. And when they're doing install and fall, they're like, all right, well, Let's install this. Let's install this. And at worst, it's going to be like the JJ package, but now it's going to be the offense. You know, Brian, I'm pretty sure Oluwatimi killed it in this game, but you've, you're either have or are working on grading out the offensive line. I mean, what else did you see there? Is there anything concerning in the offensive line? Yeah, I thought Zach Center's performance was concerning. Okay. So not only did he have that uh, pass rush where McDevera got sacked, but there was another minus two event on a play that uh, Coram got to cut back where he lunged at a guy and just got hot past. And he just generally did not seem like the guy who made a big leap forward. Now, I think one of the Hawaii defensive tackles might actually be a, a pretty solid player just from, from grading that, that game. But overall, I was a little bit disappointed in particularly his performance. And we'll see how that goes, you know, offensive linemen, especially young offensive linemen can be very up and down. So I feel like I don't want to say anything definitive, but this is a performance that he's going to need to bounce back from. What about El Hadi? I mean, did he, I mean, he played a lot in this game and at guard, I think. Yeah. I mean, and, he, he had a couple I mean, of mental mistakes, mm-hmm. which was different because of the Colorado state game. He looked like a veteran who didn't really need yeah. a whole lot of, coaching up and there were there were a couple issues there was a poll where he uh misidentified who to block temporarily etc um he looks physically ready uh i think that there's he's going to be behind mentally just because he's a younger player uh but i think in terms of going forward i think he might be a reasonable option as your backup top backup guard instead of barnhart and then barnhart can focus on tackle yeah might that be where they're going then if barnhart's just the tackle backup and el hadi the 
first guard back up, does that make more sense perhaps than having Barnhart flip back and forth? Probably, yeah. I mean, given the way that Seth graded Barnhart last year when he mostly played at guard, I think tackle is his better position. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, he went up against Jacob Slade last year, and mm. that was a just a blowout for Michigan State. Now, Slade is probably the best tackle in the league last year, but it was very, very noticeable. And I remember he started as a redshirt freshman against uh, Rutgers in 2020 and was fine out at tackle. Um, so... You know, if that's what Barnhart is, then I would much rather him focusing on one thing than maybe trying to play all those positions. And the coaches like him enough that I, I, I have to imagine he's pretty good in practice. But, I mean, I, would, I think that's a big development for their depth because we were kind of worried if Barnhart ends up having to play a long time or if they get two injuries like they did last year, then who's going to be your next guy? So the thing coming out of camp with, with Carson was that Two things. He was a lot stronger. That he had really, really worked on his body and they felt like he had taken his game to another level. And much like the quarterback position, the talk was that the battle for right tackle would actually go into game. So Trente would would be the guy and they, and then they would kind of see mm-hmm. uh, you know, how things worked as the season went as the season or the early part of the season went along. He was performing uh, that well, so I, I don't know that we will see any guy sort of usurp him as, as the primary backup at at those four positions. I, I do think they're gaining confidence in the youngsters that they're playing. Uh, Geo um, is getting a lot of good minutes in there, for instance. You know, I think I I think that that it, yeah. it stands to reason we'll see that. But but when healthy, I think Carson's going to continue I, to be the guy at, at, at four spots. Just so go ahead. quickly, the grading was not. A strength issue in when he was out there, like his negatives were, were he just didn't know he was he was making tackle too. blocks at guard, and that and, was the problem. And that yeah. too, uh, yeah. and you know, misidentifying targets or mistargeting that all of that stuff was much better. And mm-hmm. so uh, it said something to me that when it was so definitive about Trente in the spring that in fall camp it wasn't like Trente fell off. Clearly, I mean he he has some MAs, but that's inexperienced stuff. Uh, you see his athleticism, you see how he's really come along that Carson was really pushing him like that uh, said something to me. Uh, but I, I, before we get to the break, I want to get to, mm-hmm. I, I want to get to talking about Kate a little bit because I, I'm encouraged like you guys about how we're seeing I me. Mean, Michigan's a heavy counter team. You throw in a counter reverse, you see that you see the plan that's sort of coming together. And is it, is it, you know, is, is a lot of this JJ specific or, you know, do, do, is there still room for for Cade with what they do to be what he was last year and can he return to that when needed if the pressure of the competition is on him because I agree with you Seth what we've seen from him in these two games he's better than that and so how do you get him how do you get him back to to that point is there is there still room for that in your eye in my opinion yes because I think the pressure to some extent is off Cade now and, you know, or it is, you know, and I don't know what's happened to him, but at the end of last year, he looked like, you know, a pretty good quarterback. They did actually win the Big Ten and and uh, make it to the uh, Final Four. And so, uh, and a lot of that was Cade. And, and so it's hard for me to believe that that's not a spot he can't go back to. He can't perform at that level. I think maybe to some extent now the, the pressure has been minimized. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, how do you keep them engaged? That's the, that's the thing to me is, as a coach. That's why I think that's on the coaches and even teammates. You know, keep keeping your your captain and your backup quarterback engaged. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a Cade thing, right? That's there's nothing that anybody can do after you've lost your job to like say. I mean, they can tell you to be ready, but that comes down to you and your personality. And I, I mean, I think Cade. He, I mean, this guy started as a freshman for his, his high school team, right? Like, this is a guy who's played a lot of football. He's going to be looking probably towards a transfer next year, and he's going to want to make sure that he's a good teammate so that he has the best possible chance to land at a place where he can play on his good program. <laughs> Notre Dame. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, or Iowa, right? Uh, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. I wouldn't wish that upon him. Yeah, like. <laughs> We're we're looking for Cade McNamara to be happy and healthy, and then can't do that at Iowa. Spencer Petras have another year of eligibility. Uh, just um, stuck behind him. 
But yeah, I mean, realistically, this is modern college football and he needs to stay ready and Michigan is going to need to have him play. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get drives in these games, mm-hmm. like even Maryland and Iowa, like he's been there and yeah, he had a couple bad performances in these two games, but we've seen way more of him than just these two games. And we know what level he can get at. And that's, that's a level where you can win a lot of games. It's not JJ McCarthy's upside though. And so that's where the program's headed, but you know, at least, at least he had the opportunity and he didn't take it. He didn't get to the point where he's going to be the starter here, but you know, I, I don't think that, I mean, I guess I would hope that he would look at what's happened and say, all right, well, I understand. I think he will. I think he will. JJ keeps the ball. JJ runs. JJ puts himself in situations where he's not protecting his body. JJ's going to get dinged up at least one time this year. Uh, No, 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 no. Don't don't speak that into existence. I've seen some football in my day. And yeah, it's got to be right. man to slide. No, no, okay. and, and but he's, and he's not fighting for a job anymore. He doesn't have to throw his body on the line. Because well, like Al said, yeah, I could tell the guy to slide. And he's going to say, yeah, coach, I'm trying to win a job. All right. The job is yours, young fella. <laughs> right. I mean, you, you got to play. He, he you did can't get just out of bounds. Really in again, but there was there was that one uh, was an arc read that he like had all in front of him. And then there was like an opportunity to maybe go through a guy and he just stepped out of bounds. And I was like, thank you. Thank you, JJ. Don't, don't take that hit. You don't need to take. Um, yeah. I mean, you look at that, you look at when he steps up in the pocket on, on his last touchdown throw, he could have run 20 yards on that play probably. Right. But he kept his eyes out. He, he threw it. So, you know, you, you like that. He is, you know, it's not always, if I see an opening, I'm going to run. I like that part of him too. You guys remember yeah, I mean, Eric Mays? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I was just saying, he's not going to be Sean Clifford, right? Sean Clifford is a guy who was most effective with his legs and got beat down because Penn State had to run him like 15 times a game. J.J. McCarthy doesn't have to do that. J.J. McCarthy can run six times a game for 800 yards per carry, and that's going to work out great. And, you know, the first couple hits are invigorating, right? <laughs> that's why Harbaugh is like, that's yeah, like all the time, right? <laughs> just once, once you get to like ten, like ask Devin, like what it like, what's it, what it's like to get hit thirty-five times in one game. Oh, oh, He'll man. be like, didn't like that. <laughs> That's the one game where I was like, look, man, you know, someone needs to go get a penalty or something when your quarterback is getting killed. I, I remember sitting in the booth or sitting in the press box watching Devin get destroyed against Michigan State, yeah. and then he's spitting up blood on the side. I'll never forget that. I was like, man, so. Offensive lineman has to take that personally when your quarterback is getting battered and bruised that way. And hey, man, do something. Show yeah, I mean, something to give him a break. But like, he doesn't have to be in that position because Michigan's right. got Blake Corum. Michigan's got a ton of wide receivers. Michigan is going to be able to spread the ball around and not put too much on JJ McCarthy's legs. But those legs are still hugely important because of the things they allow Michigan to do. Yeah. Incidentally, what did you guys think of Stokes? Didn't it look? to you like he had a little bit of burst and, and so let's pause let's pause we'll pick this up on the other side we got to get to a break more mgo blog roundtable on the other side here on the michigan insider on sports talk 1050 wtka the ticket yeah i likes he had one bad bounce but other than that he Put I, on the radio good. all right so i saw you got hey all you guys from, <laughs> so i go to the solo layout and <laughs> oh my god guys, don't oh, do that man. again throw get just take Put a big piece of tape over that button and never touch it again. Oh my god, that was such bad radio. I'm like, what's happening? Oh my god, because I like I see your faces and I can react to that like while I'm talking. So like I know, and then like all of a sudden I'm looking at myself on my screen. I'm like, oh no. Oh my god, that was hilarious. I felt like once I did it, I mean I wasn't doing it to you. It allows I did it so I could. Just my light over here, <laughs> and so once I did it, but once I did it to you, I felt like okay, I got to get the other guys equal cameras. Yeah, you get, right. and I. But it's very disconcerting because <laughs> your your thought is, "Am I talking to myself?" Is right? yeah, I yeah, I got this, what happened? What happened to everybody else? What happened like, to everybody else? Am I talking to my shoe at this point? I I, I thought I'd gotten it. knocked offline. I thought I was like you know in a side <laughs> pocket or something like that. Just like shut That's up, Seth. You, you here's your, you take your own little radio show with one. <laughs> oh man uh, so anyway what did you guys uh, we won't get into this on the air because we belabored the topic on the air but what did you guys think of the booing was it 
Boeing I didn't KCM? hear it. But Was it, it Boeing must... K specifically? What did you think? We're not on the I air right now, it. so fuck them. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I well, wasn't. I didn't hear it, but I assume it existed. I mean, I'm. Oh yeah, it existed for sure. I mean, it's for... stupid. It's stupid, but we get a hundred thousand people in one place, and how many of them are going to be stupid? More than five. Yeah. Did yeah. you so, think, eight, did you think they, they were booing Cade, or did yes, you think they were they booing did. the decision to put Cade in? I mean, well, that's, 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 that's a thing. pretty fine line. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's a, you know what? You got a lot of Michigan fans. I don't know if you've had this topic on your board, but it's been on my board. I just happened to put up, I interviewed Jaden Davis's dad. They had a great visit and everything. Yeah. And he mentioned unsolicited. Oh, I mean, what is it? Michigan fans that booing their quarterback? What yeah. is that? That was terrible. I mean, and fans he, who he booze. mentioned it unsolicited. So, Sam, what do you say to that on the screen? Which is, uh, it, maybe so. Just, just know that it definitely can. I'm not saying they are, are not going to not get. It's like it's not like they're going to lose Jaden Davis as a result of this. I don't think. I just know if you're looking for the experience to be as positive as it could possibly be, it wasn't as po as positive as it could possibly be when his dad is mentioning unsolicited. It's like, man, Michigan fans, that that's how they do when when things aren't going well, they just boo their quarterback. Watch this. I mean, week. also it was like forty two to nothing or something. Why are you're booing? It's forty two to nothing. What yeah. is I mean yeah, I, so so my point is you have, you have fans, you have fans when I mentioned that, they were like, Well, I mean, this is you know, they weren't really booing Cade, they were booing you know, Jim's decision to put Cade in at that point. So well, why would you do that when they're up thirty five yeah. to nothing when he went in the game? Like it, yeah. It, 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 I, yeah, there's always going to be in hundred thousand Ryan's hundred thousand people. You're going to get some idiots. Do you remember people like were getting on Ronnie Bell? There's still a guy in my uh, my Twitter mentions who was like complaining about Ronnie Bell's drops and like you guys got to get on Ronnie Bell about the drops after he like after the <laughs> the fumble and stuff. I'm like, and then of course he has the touchdown catch right after that. But um, yeah. but like, do you remember after the Penn State drop, there were like a couple people and they someone focused on like a couple people online being mad that he dropped that pass and then the next week everybody was chanting ronnie bell when he made a catch yeah that's a great point and so that's when when i say you know what do you think of it to me it was more the reaction of other fans you look you don't confront people over how they cheer if they're booing or not but the response to me is if you hear that because maybe there'll be another instance in michigan stadium the rest of the fans should be like they should draw draw that out with cheers. That's how you respond to it. I mean, I, I got like it. Ryan said you can't. Pardon me. I remember I was in the stands, okay, and gotcha. I think Dennis Norfleet was returning punts, and there was this guy behind me who like said something like "run like you stole it." And we are and back was, here on the Michigan Insider Sports Talk 1050 <laughs> WTKA online at WTK.com. Sam Webb, Ira Weintraub, MGO Blog Roundtable. So. Fellas, uh, before we went to the break, Craig, you were talking about C.J. Stokes, who has clearly emerged as the uh, the number three running back for, for Michigan as a true freshman. Yeah, um, and I think on uh, Brian and Seth's podcast, they referred to him as similar to Karan Higdon, and I can see that, uh, except I predict this. He will never get called for holding when he is tackled on <laughs> I, that You're, will never happen. You are, you are making a bet in favor of the Big Ten refs, Craig. That is a, that's well, a big change for you. Congratulations. Uh, if we don't play Northwestern, those that chances of that prediction go up significantly. Well, Neil did retire, though, so there's one less head referee to worry about. Yeah, yeah that's well, true. Uh, no, but I like Stokes. So I like his his jitteriness. He's got burst, and he, he usually has pretty good instincts about how and where to cut. So he's a guy who presses outside and then cuts right off his offensive lineman's butt, and that's always really encouraging to see. He did have one play, which I thought was a bad bounce. Still gained three yards on it, though. But yeah, I think I think what we've seen from him is pretty encouraging. Yeah, yeah. They uh, the thing that I've been more more surprised by is they say he his speed is comparable to that of of Donovan Edwards and and uh, and Blake Corum. I, I didn't have I, I didn't that certainly wasn't a part of the scouting report. Uh, coming in, maybe the scouting report was just incomplete. It was early. But. He like the first time he ever popped up on scouting reports, he went to a camp in Florida. No one had ever heard of the guy because he was just playing some terrible South Carolina team that uh, all the coaches from South Carolina they put their kids on that team. And like he he was running ridiculous track times uh, in front of everybody. And then he I think he had like a four three something and whatever they were timing, you know. In the, in the yeah, I think our area. profile had like I think our profile had him in like the four fives or four sixes. Yeah, yeah, because he because he went to other camps afterwards and got 
probably more realistic times. But everyone mm-hmm. like was shocked that I think it was a sophomore then or maybe in a freshman then. Like his speed was originally part of his thing, and there was really no way to tell because he played against such terrible competition in South Carolina. All I know is in this game, I don't know how fast he is, but for ten yards or five yards, he's fast. Oh, uh, so I mean, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this Eric in South Carolina? Yeah. Who who just came in on YouTube and said his dad speed trains. He's actually going to train my son. So uh, Eric trying to get back in the good. Maybe he has something to do with CJ Stokes coming to Michigan, <laughs> trying to make up for losing John Morant. Like he, I mean, this is this is Eric. Eric, I haven't forgotten about you, John Beeline. I saw John Beeline at a golf outing a couple weeks ago. He said, "Man, I'm I'm almost Eric, almost over Eric not getting John Morant for me, not letting me know that we had a chance, <laughs> even though he's you know even with the Pistons now he still talks about you, Eric. So uh, may, maybe you'll make up for it if if CJ Stokes winds up being that guy. Which again, fellas, I mean the talk inside, and this was one of the things before the game that I was getting is they are convinced that CJ Stokes." can be every bit as good as Donovan and Blake, which again, you wouldn't think wow. that by, by recruiting rankings. And I'm sure that that would be one of those where Mike Hart st- st- stands up and says, see, I told you, I told you. Is, if is CJ Fred Jackson with the program again, is that? <laughs> he is with the program again. <laughs> is, that, is, is that what I detect over here? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got to see a little bit more from Stokes, but Me too. what we've seen so, for, Me too. so far is pretty encouraging. So, and like his attitude is great. I mean, he's had one of the quotes of the off season where he's like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like, no, I'm not happy. <laughs> Never happy. Why would I be happy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, it is. Uh, all right. So as we look ahead, cause there's, there's so much to be uh, encouraged by over these first couple of games, slightly tougher opponent. And I, the emphasis on slightly when you talk about UConn, Right, Brian, Brian saying no, not even slightly tougher. I mean, they stink. Let's put it this way: They're, the worst thing that happened to them is they lost their starting quarterback, who was going to lead them, who, who's like the best player on the team. That guy, that starting quarterback they lost, is the guy that Penn State put in last year when Clifford went down, and they started. They all of a sudden lost to Iowa. Roberson, that's the guy that they that they were going to. Yeah. They're counting on the whole season. The, the he got hurt in the second him. play. I think it was the second play of the game he played in. He went out. Yeah, and they're playing a guy named Zian Turner, who's a freshman. Do you know anything about him? I know he hasn't been real Not good really so ready far. to play yet. And then yeah. they got uh, the next Millen brother. Remember I was talking about Millen but against – uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah, he's so barely played. Colorado State, yeah. So the they're using him as kind of like the what we used J.J. last year. He's got a, a running package. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, UConn is bad. Uh, they lost by 34 to Syracuse. I think Syracuse is an average-ish team. Uh, they gave up, uh, I don't know, 500, 470 yards against Syracuse. Uh, I I don't see much there. I'm not sure they're really uh, a better team than, say, Colorado State. And in, in fact, I think they're rated Sagarin isn't a great measure, and at this point in the year, it really is meaningless. But they, you know, he has Yukon uh, at number one forty nine, <laughs> and uh, which is fifteen spots uh, worse than Colorado State. They're, uh, so it's so not they're, a they're, <laughs> so they're terrible. Well, here's the thing yeah. uh, that that bodes well for the linebacker. I know Michigan didn't cover last week. And that was actually the, the, that was actually what Ira put up because we had to pick the game. He said, "Well, you guys aren't going to pick the game. You're going to pick against the spread." So I said, "Michigan will cover." Steve Clark said, "No, they won't." He was sweating bullets in the first half, and then when Michigan changed quarterbacks in the second half, he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna win now. I'm gonna win now, right?" Well, that's that is not going to be in play this week as much, guys, because if you're Michigan, don't you have to play your like you can't go in the Big Ten play with your starters only having played a half of football. In the first three games, don't you you got to play them longer in this contest, even if you are beating them by forty, don't you? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I don't, what is reps against UConn going to get you? Uh-huh. <laughs> building that, building that stamina up for when you got to play four quarters. Like they have these guys are getting what thirty reps. Like I these mean, guys aren't getting a whole lot of reps right now, and so you gotta you gotta condition yourself for that kind of competition. I expect these guys to play. Three quarters. This I, I imagine 
Jim Harbaugh's practices have done a better job of conditioning than anything UConn's going to be able to do, except except the wide receivers. Because I want to get this in. I've never seen cornerbacks this bad. And I, I've seen – we've got cornerbacks from, from a lot of bad teams, and these guys move slower than linebackers. So those receivers are going to be running downfield and being wide open, and then they're going to, like, have to run back and yell at their quarterback for not hitting them because he hit the other guy who was wide open. So – this is it's going to be a track meet. I don't see any reason to, you know, possibly injure the starters out there. Just get them out there, and beat them, and yeah. I think I think you're going to see it for three. We won't see it for the whole game, like some of these other teams. They're blowing out. They got their starters in. And they, I, but I do think we'll see them for three quarters in this contest. So that means a big number. If they're as bad as the first two teams, and you're going to see the starters for three quarters, and they have some some mileage under them now, this should be a an, an epic blowout. And then the question then becomes, is like, do we see what of the young, you're talking about receivers, which of the young receivers do we see blow up with a big play? Amarion Walker almost had one in this game where I saw him after the game. He was like, didn't know how fast I was. <laughs> right? He was open. He was behind he was open. Yeah. So, and, and he's playing both ways, right? Because didn't is. they switch his jersey number? And he, they did. He played they did. corner. Although the only time he appeared on my defensive charting, he's blocking like a receiver and and picked up a foul. It was a penalty. It, they didn't need to call it. Uh, that went down his sack, but uh, they did not uh, need to call it. They, he did not pull out the flag until the sack was already happening. It's like, dude, dude, come on. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, man. Uh, it's It'll be an interesting thing because I, I think he's one of those guys. He's the kind of athlete just talking to the other players. And I could see this because I went to see Omarion last year, like the first week of their season, they're playing. I talked about this. They were playing Arch Manning. Everyone's talking about Arch Manning, right? Arch Manning comes out, he throws a, he throws a bomb and he looks really good. Things quieted from there because he was, he was getting hit. They couldn't protect him. But Omarion Walker from that first series on was the best player on the field. They could not run with him. And so you, you really don't get a feel for how fast he is until you're up on him. He's such a long strider. He's so fluid at that size. He went and he ran like a 4-3 at Alabama's camp. That's when his recruitment blew up. But Michigan, up to that point, uh, because they didn't know how fast he was either, up to that point, they had been recruiting him as a corner. And then they transitioned into recruiting him as a receiver. So this is one of those guys, kind of like Mikey Sainristel, where they always kind of saw the possibility of him seeing some time on both sides of the ball. And as a freshman, when you're as deep in the receiver room as they are, this is just another way to get them on the field at a spot where they could use them. Uh, Brian, Steph, Craig, I mean, corner isn't super deep at this point. So if you can bring him along in the defense, he can really help there. Yeah, I, I probably not uh-huh. this year, right? Like, it's Although probably- they used him there this year already. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I think, I think yeah, this year. Late against Hawaii. I mean, Honestly, I think you got to explore it if it's all pl- plausible, right? Because if he's six foot four and he's at all able to stick with guys, well, I mean, that's a dude. Because you can just have him play inside leverage all day and dare people to fade over the top of him, like mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Clark. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so the wide receiver depth chart looks pretty good going forward because I think Tyler Morris is going to be a player. I think Darius Clemens is going to be a player. You got Andrew Anthony for at least another year. So, like, cornerback is the spot where you're going to lose. DJ Turner probably to the NFL after this year. You're going to lose Jamon Green. Green, so it's like, yeah, I want to, I want to see where this goes because mm-hmm. if he's, if he's at all in contact, like you want to put I the see, ball over this guy in trail. Okay, the comparison to me is his position coach because this is how yeah. Ron, this is how Ron Bellamy broke in his freshman year. You know, he he came in as a receiver, saw some time as a receiver. They needed him at corner. They get in the Orange Bowl. Ron Bellamy's playing corner in the Orange Bowl against Alabama. So, you know, they sort of grew him up over over time. And Ron will tell you that Amari is a, a better athlete than he was uh, in his day. And so, uh, man, if, if you can right now, and Ron, I was surprised to hear how how um, descriptive Clink was. He said, right now it's just man coverage. So, <laughs> so, so we're in Amari out on the field. You gotta know what the defense is, right? But but you grow him up over over the course of the season where you can be versatile enough with him where you can use him in meaningful moments. But to your point, Brian, they, I don't think they'll be there for, for some time. Uh, a question for you, Sam, is with Notre Dame going in the tank and probably yeah, 
I mean, they've lost. Isn't this what we said? Yeah. 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 I give them credit. I give Marcus. They are an outstanding recruiting staff, whether it's their their ability to connect with guys or all of the I mean, you look at their recruiting department and I mean, I know what pot of gold day is. Why why do I know that? Because they do a great their marketing campaign and recruiting operation is outstanding. But my take was and our take as we talked about it over the course of the offseason was like, man, if you can just drag out some of these recruitments or the ones that you can't. Just keep contact with the guys that commit because let's wait to see if these guys can coach, right? That you, you can't just be a recruiter. Can you actually coach? And you, you, you don't question that after you lose to Ohio State in Columbus. But after you lose to Marshall, yeah. but after you I, lose to Marshall, Craig, I mean, yeah, that becomes yeah. a question. Yeah, they lost to Oklahoma State. Then they lost to Ohio State. Okay, you can get those. But Marshall at home, that, and it isn't like a fluke. It's they were outplayed. I mean, you know, Marshall outplayed them. And uh, so it's the first time in the history, I guess, of Notre Dame where the coach has lost his first three games. And so my concern isn't that for them, isn't that maybe they can't coach because I don't know that they may be fine coaches. But the uh, but whether someone over there, Marion Walker was a Notre Dame commit i he think was. he was and so i wonder if someone over there and because they've got a great class going if someone in that class is thinking well maybe i should start rethinking well, this particularly a cornerback particularly where michigan's going to have a major need for corners uh next year although we have will johnson but uh we're still a little thin there as you point out you know we talked about this on the recruiting podcast we'll release it later oh. today please stop asking me folks when is the very we're releasing it later today but this is one of the things that we talked about okay. and michigan's experience last year i think is an excellent model to mimic i hope that and i think that that is indeed the case i know the recruiting staff has changed but they did a great job of, of staying engaged with guys that were committed to other schools Marion walker Derek moore Darius Clemens. There was someone else down the stretch that that flipped. Is that's eluding me right now. Uh, the but anyway, they flipped all of those guys. So if you it maintained, uh, no, no, he was he wasn't he wasn't committed to another school. Okay, but someone else. Anyway, if you've maintained connections with those guys, now that they've they're looking a little iffy, you can drop in on the Charles Jagusa or a Peyton Bowen. Or a Jay Nosberry and say, "Hey, hey, well, why don't you come take a visit?" Right? That's the 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 natural progression as long as you've been keeping in contact with those guys. And I think Michigan has. Keon Sab is a thank you. See, this is why I love our people. This is why I love our people. D Tuck seventeen, Sab, Tom, Bruce, David. <laughs> they're all immediately. They're all, they're all in. It was Keon Sab who uh, we talked about it when he committed to Clemson. Say, hey, they just. People laughed, but I said, I think they're going to stay in contact with Keon Sab. They did, and it wound up really, really working out. Here's some more. Keon Sab. Melvin Smith says, Keon Sab. You, got, you keep some this games. up, you're going to make us talk about his one play in this game, and we don't need to talk about that. Hey, man. That was a hey, very hey, freshman hey. play. <laughs> <laughs> he and Micah Pollard together are like, man, we shouldn't be out here right now. We're going to laugh about this one day. <laughs> right. All right, so, guys, I guess give me a pick in this game. Uh, do the, A pick on... Michigan versus the spread. Do, does Michigan cover in this game? What is the spread? What is the line? 46? It, I think it's 46. Yeah, it's right in that, in that range. Isn't it 46 points still? I am looking for the current live updated score uh, line. Give me one second. It's coming. I hate Assume these spreads. Because these spreads are like, you know, 40. how good it is, is 40, It's how, around 47, 48, yeah. <laughs> All right. Does Davis My pick is Michigan you? 62 points. UConn 61 yards. <laughs> well, hey, you know that's not so far off, given the fact they only gained about two hundred against. Uh, play the over under and the Bri- Michigan, according to Brian, Michigan covers the over alone. All right, Craig. Uh, yeah, I I picked uh, uh, Hawaii to cover last week, which turned out to be right, and I'm going to pick Michigan to cover this week. Uh, I think they'll. I think Sam, you're right in at least part that they'll play the starters a little longer this week. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, and uh, up in the right corner to <laughs> Seth Fisher, who Gene Hankerson says, "Hey, that looks like Tom Beaver, not Tom Beaver. That's that's Seth Fisher up there." <laughs> Seth, what do you think? 
I I hate these spreads because it's like you know how much is gonna how much Davis Warren gonna shred them. Davis Warren is gonna shred them seventy two nothing. I'm so pulling for that kid. I, yeah, no phone. Your man. interview with him, Sam, was mm-hmm. wonderful. That was one of the bet- better interviews of the year, along with the one of Martelli yesterday, which is something we need to talk about at some yeah. point. Well, we that will, was we will get to that. One. The king of Philly, I love him yeah. too. That's my yeah. dude. So anyway, a lot to get to. Another great roundtable session. Look forward to it again next week, folks. Also, look forward to caller number seven at 734 Come in with us. Where, Mr. Wide Drop? I'm sorry. I should have queued you. That is right. Inside the Bud Light Victor's House, caller number seven at 734 You will join us inside the Bud Light Victor's Lounge. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Insider on Sports Talk 1050. WTKA, the ticket, the official voice of University of Michigan Sports, Ann Arbor, Accumulus Station. Got the promo, the, the Squires. Great, oh. great episode again, fellas. Great episode again. Yeah, don't Terrific. ever. The only time you should use that single thing is when you're doing the ad read, so the rest of us don't all look bored or like be picking our fingernails or drinking our coffee. <laughs> okay, okay, no more solo layout. No more, I'll just turn my. If I need to do something, I'll just turn my camera off. No more solo layout. <laughs> so, I apologize. I should have told you guys ahead of time.